Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 29. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Amen. Team, thank you for leading us. You guys may be seated. If you haven't already, I would invite you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Colossians in chapter 1. The book of Colossians chapter 1. Um, and I'm, I want to start by telling you a story that places us right in the middle of this passage. It was nine years ago. I believe it was just after the May 2010 floods. And eight of us sat in a dirty, musty, smelly conference room at the Nashville Baptist Association right across the river from the Titan Stadium. And we were being trained on how to plant a church. And the person leading the training said, you know, Every church needs to have a unique, special vision just for it. Now get in small groups and talk about that. And so the eight of us that were a part of what would later become Redeemer, we quickly, quickly decided he was wrong, that the church of Jesus has one vision set by Jesus. And then we began to wrestle, how can we put into words what we believe God is calling us to do. In essence, what makes starting a new church worth it? And we landed on Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Him being Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so for nine years, we've said that Redeemer Church exists for Colossians 1, 28 to happen. Redeemer Church exists so that Christ will be proclaimed, people will believe in Him, and people who know Him will grow to follow Him well. It's become these banners. We exist to proclaim Christ and make disciples. Now, as we stand here nine years later, on the beginning of a mission's emphasis, Here's the point I want you to hear clearly. This church was never the goal. And us being in this room on this day was never the goal. The goal was to see God's mission of taking the gospel to those who were far off so that they might be brought near was to see that mission advanced and for us to have 
a place in that mission. So Redeemer Church, or any local church, is not the goal. It's just a piece of the puzzle. A piece of the puzzle that says you matter and you have a place in God's plan, but God blesses you so that the mission goes on. And so it's never been our goal to proclaim Christ and make disciples so that we could be awesome. If so, we failed miserably anyway. But it's never been our goal to proclaim Christ and make disciples so that we could say we have arrived. It was our goal to proclaim Christ and make disciples to see the mission of God advanced in this particular part of Sumner County. And as that mission has advanced through us, do you know what the Lord wants? The mission to keep going. We're just a flow through. We're just a place of blessing where the blessing keeps going. And now that we are Dare I play, play on words? Sure, why not? Now that we are blessed with people and budgets and buildings and, and by worldly measures are successful, the, the really subtle twist of deception that would train wreck us would be to say, yeah, God's given us all this blessing so that we can put all our attention right here. And we could even use biblical words like proclaim Christ and make disciples. So I believe firmly that God wants us to proclaim Christ and make disciples here, but I believe that He wants us to go from here to there and be busy proclaiming Christ and making disciples. I believe that God is eager for His mission to carry forward through us in such a way that the kingdom has been radically expanded because he chose to build this church. So perhaps the eight of us should repent a little bit because, because Colossians 1.28 isn't just about starting a church. It's about starting a church that advances the mission and builds the kingdom. And so what I want to say to you today on, a th on the basis of the authority of the Apostle Paul and on the authority of the Word of God, it is God's will that the blessings poured on us be used to extend the gospel forward in the building of God's kingdom. So we could say it this way. Redeemer Church belongs to God. Redeemer Church exists for God's purposes. And God's purpose is for those who are far off to hear and believe. And the moment that Redeemer Church becomes only about Redeemer Church, then we have lost our way. I've chosen prayerfully this passage today to intentionally connect the mission of Redeemer with the mission's emphasis that Spencer introduced to you earlier. I've chosen this passage intentionally to say that who we have always intended to be is a church that lives out 
Colossians 1.28 in its fullness. And its fullness includes the missionary impulse of the gospel. Its fullness includes the missionary impulse of God. And so the main point, if you're a note taker today, is this. The missionary impulse of the gospel is passed forward with the gospel. Let me say that one more time. The missionary impulse of the gospel is passed forward with the gospel. So think about it this way. If you're a Christian, you are a Christian because you have received the gospel and have believed, right? That's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 10, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, right? So we hear and we receive and we believe. But what we received when we received the gospel, it came to us with a missionary impulse. And when we said, we'll deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus, that missionary impulse is now ours to carry forward. Yes, salvation comes with the gospel. Yes, justification comes with the gospel. Yes, a place in God's kingdom comes with the gospel. But a missionary impulse comes with it too. We have received so that we will And Paul says, this is why he lives his life. And I'm here to say that Paul's life goal, if you will, I guess if Paul had a life verse, he wrote it right here, maybe. Um, That was a little bit funny, guys. I know it's early, but that was like a little bit funny. But But what is true for Paul is true for us as well. So the missionary impulse of the gospel was passed forward with the gospel, which means the God who built this church is calling us to push the gospel forward. So if you want to take notes, what we're going to look at is the goal, the actions, the cost, and the promise in this passage. The goal, the actions, the cost, and the promise. So first, what was Paul's goal? What was Paul's goal? Much to your surprise, Paul's goal was not to proclaim Christ and make disciples. Paul's goal was not verse 28. Paul's goal actually is in verses 25 through 27, which we're going to look at. But Paul's goal was to use his life in its fullness so that those who were far from God would know and receive the promise of salvation in Jesus. Paul's goal in life was to fully explain the Word of God so those who were far from God would know and receive the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's what he says. So let's look at those verses together. Verses 25 through 27. He says... I do everything at the end of 24 for the sake of the church. And I have this stewardship from God. So God's given Paul a stewardship, a calling, a purpose, a mission, a vision. And what is it? In classical Paul format, he gets really long-winded and ties a bunch of phrases together. Well, we almost miss it. So we'll see if we can look at it. But he says, I've been given this stewardship 
to make God's Word fully known. Oh, great. So his, his mission is to make God's Word known. But there's a particular part of it, verse 26. There was something that's been hidden, a mystery, that's been hidden for ages and generations, but now has been made known. See, now Paul's just getting all wordsmithy and he's losing us, right? But he says, I've been given a calling to make a mystery known. Oh, okay. We're going to play Clue. No, not exactly. See, that was a little bit funny too. I'm just going to quit. You're not laughing. But the mystery has been hidden for ages and generations and now has been revealed. What's the mystery, Paul? Because the mystery is the goal. And the mystery being known is the goal. Verse 27. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, now verse 27, while wordy and churchy and really theological, if you were reading that as a first century Jew, you would say that sentence makes no sense. Because Paul says the mystery is the Gentiles, those who are separated from God, who are unclean, who are unworthy, and have no place in God's kingdom. The Gentiles now have the hope of glory in Jesus Christ. That's what the mystery is. The mystery is that God's Son came and lived and died so that those who were far from God could be brought near to God by God. You see, Jesus coming is the missionary impulse of God that the Gentiles would know there's hope for everyone in Christ. And so Paul says his goal in life is to fully make known as much as possible that this mystery is true to the Gentiles. And so he's going to explain it, and he's going to teach it, and he's going to go broad, and he's going to go deep, but he wants it to be known that the hope of salvation for Gentiles is, is present in Jesus Christ. In essence, the goal is for the gospel of Jesus to be known. If you want to mark in your Bible this phrase right here, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the gospel. That Christ in anyone changes everything. This is the gospel that Christ in anyone brings someone near to God. This is the gospel that Christ in anyone gives the hope of eternal joy with God. That Christ in anyone gives the hope of experiencing 
the glory of God in its fullness. Paul's goal, in the simplest words possible, was to make it abundantly clear that Jesus came, missionary impulse, to bring radical hope and saving grace to all peoples. And there is no one who is too far from God to be separated from this impulse of Jesus for which he came. So if, if you're here today and maybe you're not a Christian, you're like, man, I'm not Christian. Now I've come to the missions month. Like, what am I doing? Just latch on to this one thing. Jesus Christ in you can and will change everything. Just believe it. Just believe it. Just stop trying to make yourself good enough to be acceptable to God and believe that Christ in you gives you the hope glory. It kind of as an aside that's not even in my notes here, if you've got one of those stale, busy, happy, contented, suburban hearts that can't make a place for a missionary impulse, let's just start right here. Think of the most broken person you know. Think of the most broken person you know. And do you believe that Christ in them could give them the hope of glory? Start praying. Start praying right there. God will use that right there. So the goal is that the gospel of Jesus be known here, there, and everywhere. And so I have no problem standing up here and saying it was the will of God to build this church so that the gospel would be known here. But I also have to say that it was the will of God to build this church so that the gospel would be known there. And by there, I mean everywhere. And we must not bottle up the gospel and make it all about us because that would be dishonoring to the missionary God who brought the gospel to us to begin with. So I'm pleading with you to believe that proclaiming Christ and making disciples is about your kids and it is about community group and it is about discipleship within the church but if we get this right, it will also be about a missionary impulse that says, go. Go somewhere. Go next door. Go to school. Go to work. Go to the store. Go to Uganda. I don't care, but the impulse that brought us the gospel says, go. Go somewhere. Don't believe that God brought his amazing grace to us so that we could bottle it up for us. There's this strange, selfish thing in American life, and I may not get through all the points, and I don't care. we got five more sermons, you know. 
But there's this strange, selfish thing in American life. Like, we want to know that we fit, right? That, that's good. I think God made us that way. And so preachers like me stand up, and I've done this, and I've said, a big piece of the gospel is for us to see that we have a place in God's kingdom. And that's true, and that's biblical. But that does not mean that the story is about us. And there's such a subtle, slippery slope there. The story doesn't become about us because we have a place in it. The story always has and always will be about the glorious God who sent His Son to save sinners. And the good news is, yes, we have a place in it, but we're just a piece through which it flows. We must not allow ourselves to be the end of the line where the gospel loses its missionary impulse. So, if you, okay, pastor, I'm ready to take a step. How do I begin? Second point, the actions. And by the way, the actions, the cost, and the promise, I'm going to go quickly through these because they show up in our sermons over the next few weeks, okay? But the actions. If I want to take this seriously, what do I do? This is where verse 28 comes in. Verse 28 is the how of the missionary impulse. And it's this. We proclaim Christ and we make disciples. If we want to take this missionary impulse seriously, we proclaim Christ and make disciples. Look at verse 28. Him we proclaim. The hymn is Jesus. Which means the message of the mission is Jesus. The message of the mission is that God sent His Son into the world to redeem sinners. The message of the mission centers around the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus whereby He brought hope of glory to those who were far off. We proclaim Christ. And notice here that in the mission, the goal is not just conversion, but it's a life radically oriented to Jesus. And in the church, we call that discipleship. Discipleship simply means radically aligning ourselves with a leader. That's why Jesus, by the way, when Jesus said, if you would come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, that was not a metaphor. It was not a word picture. It wasn't a story. And it wasn't an allegory. In the time of Jesus, people followed leaders. And they literally left their homes and left their families because they said, this leader has what I need and I'm going with him. And so Jesus wasn't given an allegory. He was saying, look, if you want to be in my kingdom, deny yourself, take up your cross, and come on. Come, like, like, literally, come. And so all discipleship means is, I'm going to know the Word of God, the, the desires of God, the promises of God, and I'm going to believe them, and I'm going to go with Jesus. And so the mission is about proclaiming Christ and taking everything to follow Jesus. And if we want to take the missionary impulse seriously, we will know how to speak the gospel and how to open the scripture and say, follow Jesus with me. 
Because the goal is not a bunch of conversions, but a whole bunch of people whose lives are radically oriented to Jesus. So, one of the simplest ways to know how to share the gospel is to become well acquainted with Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-10. through 10. One of the simplest ways to know how to share the gospel is to become well acquainted with Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-10. through 10. And what we see in there is sin, grace, faith, and new life. What we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, is sin, grace, faith, and new life. We see that the problem with the world is rebellion against God. We see that God took the first step. That's missionary impulse. God took the first step. He made us alive. Our response to the gospel is, is faith, that is believing in Jesus, identifying with Jesus, and those who by grace and through faith are followers of Christ have been given the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, which means we presently have new life. We are not who we used to be. So you can become well acquainted with Ephesians 2, chapter 10, and be able to talk explicitly and candidly and conversantly and in an informed way about who Jesus is. you want to make disciples, I believe there are three elements. God's Word, God's people, and God's Spirit. If we want to make disciples, I believe there are three elements. God's Word, that's why Paul says we're going to warn and we're going to teach. God's Word, God's people, the discipleship endeavor happens together and God's Spirit. The Spirit is with us to help us see new life. Now, we could talk a whole bunch more about this, but if we want to take the missionary impulse seriously within the church, in our families, in our communities, and to the ends of the earth, becoming conversant with how to proclaim Christ and how to actively make disciples is vital. So maybe the, the application question for you here is, what step do you need to take to move into the missionary impulse of God? And by the way, as an aside here, you've got to be around people who don't know Jesus if you're going to proclaim the gospel and if you're going to make disciples. Third, the cost. The cost of the mission is two things in this passage. It's toil and it's suffering. It's toil and it's suffering. So verse 29, Paul says, For this I toil, struggling. Now hear those words, toil, struggling. I'm guessing some of you maybe went on a date with your spouse last night. And when you got home... And I said, hey, how was the date? And you said, it was toil. It was a struggle. I mean, who's, who's that going to be well-received by anyone? No, 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 no. But honestly, I think that Christians like us in the suburbs of America want God's mission to feel like a date night. Easy, joyful, just a little bit of effort pays a whole lot of a little bit of bang and a whole lot, you know, like, like just a lot of buck, a lot of fruit. 
That's not what Paul says. He says, this mission causes me to toil. It's hard work. It's a challenge. It's a sacrifice. It doesn't come out of my discretionary time or my discretionary income. I purpose to build God's kingdom through the missionary impulse. So I'm just going to give you a question for today because we're coming back to this. But do you believe that God has called us into His mission so much that we're willing to toil for it? Meaning to exert hard effort. To plan. To pray. To do the inconvenient for the good of the mission. That's what toil means. And suffering, Paul simply says... My missionary involvement has caused great suffering, and I delight in it. Actually, he goes so far in verse 24, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. That almost sounds blasphemous, doesn't it? Paul's saying, I suffer for the mission as a way to display to the world that what Christ did is worth suffering for. I give a present testimony to the validity of Christ when I'm willing to suffer for it. Paul writes from jail. So the cost of the mission is high. So I don't want to sell you a bill of goods. Often, early in the life of Redeemer, we, by we I mean me, Jamie, Jamie was guilty of trying to make everything clear and simple and not that difficult. You know why they didn't work? Because it's difficult. And it's not simple. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And I'm saying, are you willing to think about your time and your friendships and your home with the same level of scrutiny as you do your budget to find a way to toil for the mission of God. That's what we're praying for. Fourth point, the promise. The promise is God never intended us to take His mission forward alone. He is with us. Even more than with us. Look at verse 29. Paul says, For this I toil, struggling with... Cover your Bible up. Look at me. You might say, struggle with all my energy, right? No. Struggling with, look back at your Bible, all His energy that He powerfully works within me. Do you hear that? Paul is saying that God pours energy into His life for the cause of the mission of God. It's His mission. It's His work. And He's promising to give it grace. And to give it strength. And to give it power. So take God at His word. Call Him on His promise. Lord, I don't even know where to begin. But I trust that You will give me strength. I trust that you will give me energy, and I don't want to do this in my own strength anyway. I'm ready to toil, God, but would you help me toil? As I said, we're going to come back to these themes quite a bit. But what I want you to take from today 
is that the missionary impulse of God brought the gospel to this church so that it would go forward with us. And if you're a Christian today, the missionary impulse of God brought the gospel to you so that it would go forward with you. The mission never ends. It goes on and on.